Random House Audio Assets presents Raving Fans, a revolutionary approach to customer service by Kenneth Blanchard and Sheldon Bowles. Read for you by John Mullard, Rick Adamson, and Kate Borger. The tape that will teach you the three secrets of creating raving fans. Decide, discover, and deliver. Any organization or individual will benefit from putting decide, discover, and deliver to work. To learn how to use these secrets in your business and life, we take you now to the private office of the newly appointed area manager. Panic. Palpitations and panic. He was aware of sweaty palms and cold feet as he wandered around his new office, the area manager's office. He had expected to feel the responsibility of the new job resting heavily. What he hadn't counted on was the company president's advice. He had promised the president to drive for quality in his department, total quality. Great idea, too narrow a focus. The president had told him abruptly. Quality? is how well our product works in relation to the customer's need. That's just one aspect of customer service. Customer service covers all the customer's needs and expectations. Remember, this company was built on customer service. If those others had understood that, they'd still be here. I trust you'll do better. The area manager knew that those others were the three area managers who had cycled through the office before him. The area manager also realized that those others had all known more about customer service than he did. He wondered what chance he had to hold the job. The only positive thing about this panic, he thought, it shows I'm in touch with reality. The area manager eased himself down into his chair. He closed his eyes and leaned back. As he thought about his future and customer service, he heard a small, attention-getting cough. He decided it must be his imagination and kept his eyes closed. A second, louder, more persistent cough caused him to look up. At first, he saw nothing. Then, he realized a man was sitting on the couch, a stranger, wearing sport clothes, and beside him, a golf bag. Ah, there you are, said the stranger. Uh, Who are you? stammered the area manager. I mean, what are you doing here? I'm your fairy godmother, the stranger replied seriously. As for what I'm doing here, I'm here to show you the three magic secrets of creating raving fans, the ultimate in customer service. Also, I'd hope we might get in a round or two of golf. I've gone off the deep end, the area manager thought. No, you haven't, said the stranger, reading the area manager's mind. Nothing is more real than your fairy godmother. You can't be my fairy godmother, the area manager challenged. You're a man. I know it's a bit unusual, but I came in on the quota. The quota? Yes. You see, fairy godmothering is traditionally a female job, and so under the celestial equal opportunities legislation, the job has been assigned a quota. When I applied, I was snapped right up. Please call me Charlie. Mm Mm-hmm. Fine. Charlie it will be, said the area manager, 
wondering how he would get this nutcase out of his office. You're here about customer service, then. You could say that, said Charlie. Although, in another way, I am customer service. Of course, the area manager said, trying to humor him. So, where do we begin? Why, with the first magic secret of creating raving fans. But I don't suppose you'd care to continue this discussion at your golf club. The area manager quickly seized the opportunity to move the stranger out of his office. Great idea. I'd love a game. Let's go. The area manager crossed to his office door and was relieved to find Charlie following. As he passed through the doorway, he turned around, but Charlie was no longer behind. He did, however, hear Charlie speaking. Meet me at your car. Don't disappoint me now. The area manager, determined to find out what was happening, took the elevator to his basement parking spot. There, sitting comfortably in what had been his locked convertible, now with the roof down, was Charlie. It's such a nice day, said Charlie with a beaming smile. Half in a trance, the area manager drove out of the garage and into the traffic. Uh, don't you think it's time you told me just what was going on around here? Demanded the area manager. Rotten service, replied Charlie. Everywhere, service stinks. Nobody cares a hoot. Rude is in, smiling's a sin. Nowhere is it worse than at your company. And you don't have the slightest idea what to do about it, either. I know that, the area manager replied morosely. Well, cheer up, dear chap. That's what I'm here for. Now, why don't we wait until we get to the second tee before we continue? Drive on. The area manager was too stunned to protest. He found himself driving to his golf club, as Charlie had suggested. On the second hole, the greenskeeper was moving pipe across the fairway, and play had been halted. Let's wait over there where we can talk, suggested Charlie, pointing to a bench off by itself under a tree. So you're going to tell me how to have satisfied customers, ventured the area manager. <laughs> no way, said Charlie. No siree, a satisfied customer doesn't count these days. Now, back when I was starting out in the service department, a satisfied customer meant something. Not today. Today, you need raving fans. You have to create raving fans to be successful. I'm afraid I'm lost, said the area manager. Of course you are, agreed Charlie. No reason not to be. You're totally clued out. If you weren't, I wouldn't be here. Now, here it is in a nutshell. Service is so awful, customers expect to be abused. Cold food in restaurants, dirty public washrooms, late deliveries, lost orders. It's all normal. Bottom line, people expect bad goods and rude service. Give them junk, and they're not surprised. As long as the abuse isn't any worse than they expected, they'll be back for more. Do a survey, check it out, and they'll say they're satisfied. Satisfied customers. Ha! Satisfied sheep, that's what I call them. The service at your company should be so good. Your customers are a revolt waiting to happen. The fairway had cleared. 
Charlie stood up and began to reach for his driver. What I want you to see is that just having satisfied customers isn't good enough anymore. You don't own these customers. They're just parked on your doorstep and will be glad to move along when they find something better. After the area manager hit a poor shot, Charlie stepped up to the tee. His drive this time was straight and long. In fact, it went further than the area manager had ever seen a drive go on this hole. Wow, that was some shot. You don't play in the Immortal Masters for a century without learning a thing or two. <laughs> now, if you really want to own a customer, if you want a booming business, you have to go beyond satisfied customers and create raving fans. Sounds good to me. How do I do that? That's what the three magic secrets of creating raving fans are all about. Great. When do I learn them? Whoa, not so fast. We've got weeks for that, and I've got time for more golf. You just think about what I've told you so far, and we can discuss it some more after the 18th hole. Now let's play golf. The area manager spent the rest of the game thinking about what Charlie had said. He had to admit, it made sense, good sense. Service everywhere was awful, so bad in fact he had to admit that he too was easily satisfied. His expectations were low, and his standard of what was acceptable was low. What had Charlie called his company's customers? A revolt waiting to happen. He could identify with that. Then the area manager considered the idea of a raving fan. Imagine a customer so pleased that he became a raving fan. As they walked off the 18th green, Charlie said, Thanks for the game. I really enjoyed that. I know you're anxious to learn the three secrets. Let's shower and then we'll get started. Driving away from the golf club, Charlie directed the area manager out the West Highway and told him to park at Spink Mall. He noted that Charlie led him into Varley's department store, a name he didn't recognize. Entering the store, the area manager noticed that it was very crowded. They were greeted by an older gentleman wearing a neatly pressed blue pinstripe suit and a warm smile. Welcome to Varley's, he said. If I may, I'll pin a white carnation on each of you. We have free coffee today in the garden court on the third floor, and if we can be of service, please ask. A thank you for coming to Varley's. That's some greeting. Other stores could use that system. Of course they could. All good customer service is a result of nifty systems. Now let's go see the store. With that, Charlie was off towards the book department. Your wife's birthday is next week. Time you bought her a gift. The area manager had been trying to decide what to buy for his wife. <laughs> I know what she wants. Go for the new Tony Robbins book. That's what she really wants. The only problem is that they're sold out until new ones arrive tomorrow. But let's go to the book department and try to buy her a copy. Good afternoon, sir. How may I help you? The area manager noticed this sales lady, like all staff, wore a red carnation and a large name tag. Linda. He asked Linda for a copy of the book. What a great book. I'm reading it myself right now. Unfortunately, we're sold out until tomorrow. Will you be in the store long? Uh, we're just looking around. I expect we'll be here 15 to 20 minutes, said the area manager. 
That's plenty of time. I know a store here in the mall that had some copies in the window when I passed it earlier. I'll have a copy here for you in 15 minutes. May I gift wrap it? As they left the counter, the area manager said to Charlie, I'll admit I'm impressed, but I bet that book will cost me an arm and a leg by the time they buy it at retail and sell it to me gift wrapped. You'll pay what they pay to the penny. No one undersells Varley's and gift wrapping is free. Just then, Charlie announced, There's the escalator. The washrooms are on the second floor. That's our second stop. Washrooms will always tell you if a company cares about customers. Entering the men's washroom, the area manager came to a sudden halt, astonished by what he saw. Soft lighting, rich wood paneling, and real marble counters left no doubt that at Varley's department store, making customers feel comfortable was important. Beside each basin was a stack of white cloth hand towels, and on a shelf under the mirrors were bottles of every grooming aid imaginable. A man wearing a white coat was polishing the mirrors. The washroom was spotless. Looks good to me, said Charlie, turning and heading back to the escalator. Time to go. Don't want to be late. How can they afford to hand out carnations, go to other stores for books, and have washrooms like that? You'd better ask Leo. Leo? Leo Varley, the man who is responsible for all this. He's expecting us. Turning a corner, they came on a site the area manager would never forget. In the middle of the store floor was a raised platform. In the center of the platform sat a large executive desk. A large sign proclaimed, Leo Varley, may I help you? Please come up and say hello. Ah, there you are, Charles, Leo Varley said, looking up from his papers. And this must be your friend you were telling me about. Welcome to Varley's. Introductions over. The area manager couldn't help but ask about Leo's office. Is this the first secret of creating raving fans? <laughs> Not exactly, but in my case, it's certainly part of it. When our store moved into this mall, I worried that I'd never get out of the office. I solved that by putting it right here in the middle of things. Best move I ever made. Charlie spoke up. Our friend was wondering how you can afford to give away carnations and have fancy washrooms and on top of that send people out of the store to buy things for customers elsewhere. Wrong question. The real question is, how can I afford not to do it? This is Varley's, and at Varley's department store we live the vision. The vision says, make it a joy to shop here. Then, turning to the area manager, he said, I understand you're interested in learning the first secret of creating raving fans. I am. Easy enough to do, said Leo, reaching into a drawer and lifting out a jewelry case. Opening the case, he took out a gold bracelet with a shield in the center. This is the raving fans bracelet. The first secret is engraved on it. When Charles taught me the raving fan's secret, I volunteered to present each new candidate with a gold bracelet. Your wrist, please. The area manager stretched his arm out across the desk, and Leo snapped the bracelet in place. Turning the shield up to catch the light, the area manager read, Decide what you want. The area manager was disappointed with the message. He had expected something more magical, perhaps. You're wondering what it's all about, aren't you? 
Well, I'd love to tell you all about the secret, but Charles has a system for teaching the secrets. And we know enough to follow systems, don't we, Charles? Right you are, Leo. Systems are beautiful. So there we are. We'd best follow the system. But in the meantime, I can tell you that the first thing you have to do is just what the shield says. Decide what you want. Remember, you are the source. Time to go, sang out Charlie. We've got a book being gift-wrapped in the book department, and then we're on our way to buy groceries. With that, Charlie hustled the area manager off the platform amidst hurried goodbyes. When they returned to the book department, the area manager found his book gift-wrapped and, as Charlie had predicted, the price was exactly what Varley's had paid. Thanks for all your help, said the area manager to Linda. Then, leaning slightly forward, he asked in a very serious manner, Tell me, why do you go to all this trouble? Linda answered with equal seriousness. Well, it's store policy to look after customers' needs whenever possible. Mr. Varley calls it raving fan service, and he encourages us to use our own initiative. Besides, it's fun. I used to work in another department store. It was boring work. I resented the store treating me like a stupid machine, and my bad attitude was reflected in the way I treated their customers. It's the exact opposite at Varley's. Now I help people and enjoy doing it. I also like the feedback we get from our supervisors. We are all graded on our service to customers. The last store I worked in had mystery shoppers too, but there the only feedback was being dumped on by management if you didn't do well. Here management congratulates us when we do well and helps us when we don't. Raises and promotions go to those who deliver raving fan service. It's nice to do a good job and be recognized. The area manager thanked her again before saying goodbye. Now, think about the first secret, and we'll head to our next appointment. Charlie had told Leo Varley they were off to do their grocery shopping. And sure enough, after following Charlie's directions, the area manager found himself turning into Sally's Market. The world's best grocery store was emblazoned on the side of the building. Pulling into the parking lot, the area manager noticed directly in front of his car was a valet parking booth. Welcome to Sally's Market, the attendant said cheerfully. I'll park your car for you. Here's your claim check and a list of our specials today. If you like fresh strawberries, I can recommend them. We brought in a truckload direct from the field so they could ripen on the vine rather than in a warehouse. I had some for lunch today. They were great. I want to get some of those strawberries, the area manager said to Charlie as they walked into the store. That attendant certainly knew how to sell me. I love fresh strawberries. Then the area manager dug a list out of his pocket. Until that moment, he had forgotten his wife was working late, and he had volunteered to grocery shop on the way home. The area manager set off to fetch a shopping cart. The store looked like an appealing place to shop. The aisles were wide, carpeted, and brightly lit. Looking good, thought the area manager to himself. First Varley's, now this. Good afternoon, sir, said a young lady at his side. I'm Judy, and I'll be your store advisor this afternoon. I take it from your puzzled look this is your first visit to Sally's? It is. That's great, said the advisor with obvious pleasure. It's always fun to work with someone the first time. Of course, you are perfectly free to shop on your own, but my job is to help you get the best value and make your shopping as easy as possible. Do you have a list? I do, said the area manager. 
Well, if you'll just take a seat here at my desk, I'm sure I can save you some money and some time. Judy said with a smile. The area manager started over to Judy's desk and turned to say something to Charlie, but Charlie wasn't there. He spotted him seated by the door having his shoes shined. The sign above him read, May we polish your shoes? Under that in large bold letters was the word free. I bet shoe shines are popular, the area manager said to Judy as he sat down. That was Debbie's idea, replied Judy. And you're right, it's been popular. So popular, in fact, Debbie was promoted from stock clerk to cashier. Now, if you read me your list, I'll punch it into the computer and we'll see what we've got. Judy's fingers seemed to fly over the keypad as she entered each item. Beside Judy, a printer presented his list. Let's have a look, said Judy. To start with, the computer has reorganized your list. If you follow the yellow arrows woven in the carpet, the items you pass first are at the top of the list and so on to the end. Next to each item is a recommended list by. When you gave me a brand name, it shows along with the cost per unit or per ounce, and if that's not our best buy item, the list gives you a comparison. I see that, but what are these items with a star? Those are sale items not on your list. As you go along, the stars will alert you to good deals. Oh, like strawberries? Absolutely like strawberries. The stars on this side alert you to items with excellent nutritional value. If there are any squares, here's one beside margarine, they warn you of items with little or no nutritional value or high fat content. The number here on the far right shows the grams of fat and the percentage of calories coming from that fat. The Heart Association and the Cancer Society both recommend that overall you keep fat calories to less than 30% of the total calories in your diet. Wow. I can see why there's a square opposite the margarine, exclaimed the area manager, as he discovered 100% of the calories come from fat. Yes, it's got about the same nutritional value as <laughs> engine oil, but I still like some on popcorn. Now look at your list again. That barcode at the bottom will be read by the cash register when you leave and alert our computer that we have a new customer. Our computer will then set up a customer record account for you and keep track of your purchases every time you shop here. Soon I'll be able to alert you to when your favorite brands are on sale even though they might not be on your list. One more thing, if you wish, you can use our automated billing system. On all packaged goods, you'll find a barcode tag like this. She showed the area manager a one-inch square piece of thin cardboard. Just peel it off, it comes off easily, and drop it face up in the tray on the side of the cart. When you leave, the cashier will slide the tags into a special barcode reader. In a few seconds, all your package goods will be totaled up. That sounds great. But do you run spot checks to make sure customers are honest? Seems to me they could pocket a tag. When we bag your order, we pass several items over a barcode scanner to ensure they match up. We don't do it to catch dishonest customers, though. We know our loss, what we call shrinkage, is far below the average for this industry. Our customers are honest. We run the random sample to ensure the equipment is working properly. That's a comfort both to us and the customers. Good idea. We think so. Now, if you have any questions as you shop, every department has a manager on the floor. They're there to help. Thank you very much, said the area manager with genuine appreciation as he headed off for the first aisle with his new list. I see you've met the store advisor, said Charlie as he joined him. And you've had your shoes polished. The shopping was soon done, and the area manager found himself at the checkout stand. The computerized list had been a real help. Several times, he had chosen a healthy alternative thanks to a fat content alert. He had also picked up two other specials as well as the strawberries. 
The automated checkout worked well and was fast. There were no lines at the checkout stands. As the area manager began to push his cart to the door, he heard a sudden cry of delight. Turning, he saw a lady bounding toward them. She crossed the floor in three strides and threw her arms around Charlie. Charlie, you old fairy godmother, where have you been? Good to see you. What's up? Come on into the office. Sally led them up the stairs. Once they settled into Sally's office, the area manager said, You obviously know Charlie. Good heavens, yes. Charlie rescued me from certain bankruptcy about eight years ago. He's the best fairy godmother a girl ever had. She turned to Charlie. I take it our friend has been to see Leo, and I'm to tell him how the first secret of creating raving fans works. As always. Tell me, is Charlie Leo's fairy godmother too? Of course. Leo is a believer, and he knows he needs help. Trouble is, most people don't believe they need help. They don't really care about customers. If you don't care about customers, you don't get to meet your fairy godmother. Well, I care. But the problem is, I really don't know anything about satisfying customers. At that, Charlie let out a groan and rolled his eyes skyward. I mean about creating raving fans, the area manager corrected himself. Satisfied customers just aren't good enough, are they, Charlie? I'm mollified, if not impressed. Carry on, Sally. Well, the first magic secret is decide what you want. Are you ready to learn what to do with it? I am. When you decide what you want, you must create a vision of perfection centered on the customer. Create a vision of perfection. Right. You're the source. It's what you want is perfection that comes first. This doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It tells you to imagine perfection centered on the customer. Well, I, I guess I can imagine anything. But I've got to tell you, this vision business sounds a little off the wall to me. It may sound that way, but it is probably the best hard-nosed business advice you'll ever hear. Let me tell you about my own experience. I bought this grocery store a year before Charlie showed up. I had a huge mortgage and was headed down the bankruptcy drain. I was trying to sell produce that some days was hardly fit for the compost heap. I didn't believe I could afford to throw it out. I was ashamed of my store, and I knew I had to treat my customers better if I was going to succeed, but I didn't know how to do it. Then Charlie showed up. When I learned the first secret of creating raving fans, I decided what I wanted. I went off by myself, and in my mind's eye, I began to paint what the perfect grocery market would look like. I pictured exactly how the store would serve the customer. It took some time, but I worked it all out. I could see every detail just by closing my eyes. I knew precisely what happened to customers. I could see them arrive. I could picture the valet parking and someone to tell them about a wonderful special. I saw store advisors and computers helping people make the best choices to save money and eat a healthy diet. I saw a manager for each department always on the floor to help customers and make sure their area was perfect. I saw carpet on the floor and automatic checkout stands, lots of checkout stands so no one had to wait in a long line. It was all here in my head. It was a fantasy and it was perfect. 
Every detail was so clear in my mind that I felt as if I could reach out and touch it. It was what I wanted. I was the source. Oh, that's some vision, said the area manager with obvious respect. It was bound to be. I created the best grocery market where anything is possible in my head. That vision is always in my mind. I know exactly what perfection looks like, so I know what my goal is. Once you have a real vision, what you have to do is bring down the picture from your mind and impose it over your organization and see where the bumps and warts are. That's what you work on. The area manager suddenly felt convinced that he had been told a secret, that it obviously worked for Leo and Sally, and that could work for him. So once I have my vision, and I compare it to the way things actually are, what do I do next? He asked with excitement. First, you need a vision. Now let's go. Time for Sally to go back to work. Charlie and the area manager reclaimed their grocery bags and cart and headed for the parking lot. Soon, their car was brought around. They loaded the bags into the back seat and headed home. The area manager was impressed with Sally's market. I've done a lot of grocery shopping, but never has it been so easy and enjoyable. I saved money, too. Those sale items were a real buy. Maybe I've become a raving fan. Naturally. Now I want you to spend some time thinking about your company and what you want. Sure thing. Then will I learn the second secret? <laughs> we'll see. I'll give you a call in a couple of days. Maybe we'll have a game of golf. The area manager was about to reply when he realized Charlie was no longer seated beside him. The shock of losing Charlie was worse than the shock of finding him. I've lost him. Not unless you give up golf, he heard Charlie's voice say. Matter of fact, not even then. Fairy godmothers are always around when you need them. Don't worry, I'll call. The next few days at the office were unusually productive. He knew that he had to create raving fans. Satisfied customers just weren't good enough. He knew the first secret, decide what you want. Next, he knew he had to create a vision of perfection, centered on when the customer used the product. Finally, to check out how he was doing, he knew he had to bring the vision of perfection down to the level of what was actually happening, and then see where the bumps and warts were. One morning, several days later, the area manager answered his phone to hear a familiar voice. How's chances for a game of golf? I'll pick you up at noon. Promptly at noon, the area manager was waiting for Charlie. We'll have to skip golf for now, said Charlie as the area manager got in the car. Too much to do, sorry about that, but all play and no work makes Charlie a failed fairy godmother. Soon, Charlie parked in front of a manufacturing plant. Inside the lobby, the area manager discovered numerous plaques and award certificates. They were all from customers, and they all praised the plant for such things as quality or on-time delivery. A few minutes later, the area manager found himself meeting Bill, the plant's manager, in his office. He wasn't surprised to find that Charlie was also Bill's fairy godmother, but he was surprised to find that Bill, the manager of a large national company, admitted so readily to having a fairy godmother. So, tell me, what have you learned so far? asked Bill. 
I learned from Charlie that to succeed, I need to create raving fans. Satisfied customers just aren't good enough. I also learned that I have to decide what I want and then create a vision of perfection centered on the moment the customer uses the product. If you're willing to teach me, I think I'm ready to learn the second secret of creating raving fans. It certainly sounds like you're ready. The second secret is the market secret. Turn over the shield on your bracelet and read what it says. The area manager looked at the shield. Discover what the customer wants. Bill, enlighten my friend. Tell him how the second secret works. <laughs> Delighted. All you need to do is discover the customer's vision of what they really want, and then alter your vision if need be. Uh, hold on. If what the customer wants is to be the same as what I want, why did I bother having a vision in the first place? <laughs> Good question. Three things to learn. First, unless you have your own vision, how can you understand the customers? Imagine opening a hamburger restaurant dedicated to producing the world's best hamburger and then trying to discuss with a customer your bacon cheeseburger without first working on what you thought that bacon cheeseburger should be. You would have a tough time communicating. What do you say if you don't have any idea what you think a perfect bacon cheeseburger is? The customer says it should have Roquefort cheese and an onion croissant for the bun. A customer's vision only has meaning in the context of your vision. Second, when you find out what customers really want, what their vision is, they'll likely just focus on one or two things. Your own vision has to fill in the gaps. Finally, you have to know when to ignore what the customer wants and, if necessary, tell the customer to take his vision elsewhere to be fulfilled. But you just don't tell customers to take a hike. You don't, unless their vision is so different from yours that no fit is possible. No one would dream of trying to design and market a sports car that was also a great off-road vehicle and at the same time served as a commercial delivery van. Yet when it comes to customer service, those that decide to really try to give good service often aim to be everything to everybody. That doesn't work. <laughs> I must admit, I thought good customer service meant looking after every whim of the customer. Only within the window you've defined in your vision as your particular customer service product. I understand you were over to see Sally. Did her staff help you load the groceries into your car? Hmm, come to think of it, they didn't. Where we usually shop, they do. That's interesting. Uh -huh. You were likely impressed by what Sally did offer because within her customer service window, she strives to be the world's best. But if you think about it, there's lots she doesn't do. She doesn't sell fresh fish, and she won't develop camera film for you. Those services are offered by some grocery stores, but not by Sally. And yet her customers say she has better service than any other grocery store in town. If you want those services, though... You have to go elsewhere. They are not part of her vision. In essence, she says, take a hike. You might think her vision is deficient, but she constantly strives to improve what she has decided to achieve. As long as customers are pouring through the grocery store all day long, her vision isn't deficient, not by a long shot. The area manager sat quietly for a minute. As he thought about it, 
He had to agree that those businesses he would call service leaders did so within a well-defined window. There were lots of things they could do but didn't. So that's why I first have to have the vision myself so I know what my window of customer service is. The customer's vision might change your window, but if you don't have your own vision to start with, you'll never put the necessary limits in place. Charlie added, Remember Bill's first two points. Having your own vision before you talk to customers also puts you in a position where you can understand the customer's vision. It also allows you to fill in the gaps between your vision and their vision so you have a complete picture. Well, then, how do I go about finding out what my customer's vision is? (laughs) Good question. At this company, we use a very sophisticated technique Charlie taught me many years ago. The area manager leaned forward to catch Bill's words of wisdom. Yes? We ask them. (laughs) It works like a charm. We ask them, and then we listen closely both to what they say and what they don't say. But first, you have to discover who your customers are. Take this plant as an example. Tell me, what do you know about our business? Not a thing, really. Well, here's a quick lesson, then. We manufacture metal parts that other manufacturers then incorporate into their products. For example, we make metal cases for a computer company. Now, who is our customer? I'd say the computer company, but it's too obvious an answer. You're right. Tell me who at that company would be our customer. Well, I guess your real customer is the buyer, the purchasing agent. (laughs) Good start. But everyone touched by the product is a customer. What about the engineering department that always wants to make changes in the product? And what about the production department, which has to use the cases? You're right. You've got three customers, buyers, engineering, and operations. Three? (laughs) If life were only so simple, said Bill. What about the receiver who gets the cases on his loading dock? If you ship on pallets, which are difficult to handle, guess whose shipment gets left on the loading dock? Then there's the accounting department that needs a special tax number on each invoice or they won't process it for payment. That's a customer whose vision is important, too. (laughs) That's a lot of customers. Next, add on the owner of the computer company who has his own ideas. Then there is the quality control department that delights in scratching the finish with pocket knives to see how well the paint is baked on, said Bill, shaking his head with wonder. They are all touched by our product, and they're all customers. The people who ultimately buy and use the computer must be customers, too. Everyone from the original purchasing agent to the end user is a customer. And your vision had better include every single one of them, or you'll never create raving fans. The area manager said he now understood that just knowing who the customer was could be complicated. It is, but discovering exactly what the customer wants can be difficult, too. It's a matter of training your ear. First, you have to listen to the music as well as the lyrics. Often what people really want doesn't show up directly in what they say. They may even say one thing and mean quite another. Like the purchasing agent who tells you the only thing they look at is price, and so you had best sharpen your pencil. But actually, the real priorities are quality and on-time delivery. Like the owner of the computer company who says he wants a case with a unique look, 
but what he really wants is something as close as he can get to the encasement of the best-selling computer without being taken to court. <laughs> That's what I mean by listening to the music as well as to the lyrics. The area manager nodded his head. I understand now what you mean. I've seen it happen myself. There's more. There are two other traps of customer listening. Fine and silence. Tell me, have you had any bad customer service experiences lately? <laughs> Does Charlie like golf? Would you like to hear about the rotten service and cold dinner I had last week? <laughs> what I'd really like to hear is what you did. I ate the cold dinner. <laughs> I was hungry. Did you complain, demand to see the manager? No, I didn't. I was so fed up, I didn't even fill out the customer service card that was on the table. I react the same way. I never fill out those cards when I'm unhappy, and I rarely complain to management. Why don't I complain? Simple. I don't believe it does any good. <laughs> You're darn tootin' it doesn't do any good. I bet that restaurant wouldn't even read the card, much less do anything about it. Let that be a lesson to you, then. A lesson to me? Yes, you. Learn that silence is a message, and usually it's not a good one. Ah, I see what you're getting at. Next lesson, then. I'll stick with restaurants. Even worse than silence, how often have you left a restaurant when there was a problem with the meal or the service, and when the hostess at the door asks how everything was, you say, fine. The area manager smiled and nodded his head. <laughs> You're right. I almost always say fine. Exactly, said Bill. Past experience has taught us people don't care, or you don't want to make a fuss, so why bother? Customers assume no one really wants to know what they think. You're dead right. Last week, we received a shipment of supplies that was two weeks late. The salesman that looks after our account was in to see me yesterday, and I didn't complain. But I should have said something. If our customers treat us the same way I treat our suppliers, we'll never get any feedback. You've got it. When a customer complains, you know you're hearing the truth. Listen to him. When a customer is a raving fan and is enthusiastic, listen to him, too. But when a customer is silent or says, fine, with a smile, you have to really perk up your ears. You've got a problem. If nothing else, that customer isn't a raving fan. What you're saying is that I've got to listen hardest when the customer isn't talking. You've got to listen hard all the time. Just don't lighten up when the customer smiles and says, fine, or if the message is silence. Remember, past experience has taught customers that chances are you don't really want to know what they think and feel. If they are going to open up, you have to first gain credibility. I guess that can be tough to do. <laughs> it can take a while. But if you take the time to get a conversation going, customers will sense you're serious and will respond. The first thing, though, is to know enough to realize that fine or silence is an important message. But once I've listened to the customers and discovered their vision, how do I fit that together with my vision? Seems to me that could be pretty complex. Another good question, and exactly the next topic I want to discuss. When I took on this plant, I had a vision of what I thought perfection was. I could close my eyes, lean back, and walk around in my mind. I created a movie in my head, and I actually felt I could step in, walk around, and see what was happening. Customers weren't just buying the product, they were coming to us with problems, and our team was finding solutions for them where our competition had failed. I had a pretty complete vision before I started to talk to customers, 
Then I found out that customers didn't have complete visions. A lot of them were just zeroed in on two or three things. One customer I remember was a fanatic about the way we painted his product. So all he cared about was painting. It wasn't all he cared about, but that was his focus. He just didn't worry about the rest. He is quite typical. Most customers have a focus. You have to find that focus and then mine it for information. As you uncover the customer's vision one bit at a time, it's easier to either work it into your own vision or reject it. <laughs>